welcome to another episode of Private Equity Talks. I'm Real Deals reporter Sam Birchall, and in this episode, we'll be exploring how mental well-being and human performance can be an important value creation driver. I'm joined by N4 partners, Alan Dowie, and the firm's in-house wellness coach, Chris Moon. Good afternoon, both, and welcome to the podcast. Good afternoon, Samantha. Good, good to see you. Yeah, no, thanks for being here, both. So in the last few years, and I think especially in the aftermath of the pandemic, there's been this increased focus on mental health and well-being within the workplace, both as a sort of moral imperative, but also looking at how it can improve business. So I think it, it's something that's not always been given the attention it deserves, especially in the finance industry, where you do hear a lot of these words thrown around, like stress leave and burnout. Um, however, it is something that N4 partners have really been committed to for a long time now. Um, so Alan, I'll start with you. Maybe you could just tell us a bit about kind of when did N4's wellness journey begin and, and what prompted it, really? Yeah, yes, Samantha. Well, it probably started, I mean, Chris and I have known each other probably now going on sort of 12 or 13 years. So it's probably quite apt. I think today is actually the, the 35th anniversary of the Marathon de Sable, which uh, is an event that uh, Chris and I have, have both done, and that was really what brought Chris and I together. My first time doing that event, um, which is some marathons and seven days in the Sahara. And, you know, I'd went introduced to Chris initially, given his experience of that, to really understand his learnings and, and, and his journey. And really, it, it sort of went from there in terms of, you know, Chris and I having a, a personal relationship for for a number of years with what he'd done in terms of his, his, his motivational work and, and really helping organisations grow, grow and, and, and move forward. And from there, over the years, we've had a couple of experiences of, of coming in and having some chats with teams I'd, I had managed. And really then going back to January 2020, when N4 Partners was, was set up uh, and we were starting that journey, I'd spoke to Chris about, again, helping us as a, as a, as a team and, and our journey of or performance, trying to get the best out of ourselves, best out of our, 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 our businesses. And then just as that was all starting to happen, we then went into to, 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 to COVID and, and really where we, is the impact of what happened with, with COVID, you know, both to us all as individuals and, and our businesses, you know, Chris worked with, with the team as well as some of the individuals over that period, really about, again, helping our mental position, you know, making sure we were doing the right by our, our, our employees, and then at the same time, you know, passing that on to the businesses where we're, where we're working with. So, you know, so it's been a, it's been a, a, a long journey based on a, in Chris and I's experience. But probably over the last, as I said, since the business set up in January 2020 through COVID, it's, you know, we're, we're, you know we've, we've, we've worked together over that period. So, Chris, you were hired as an in-house wellness coach at N4 Partners earlier this year. Perhaps you could start by telling us a bit about how you came into this line of work and how it was you ended up working within private equity. I came into improving individual and team performance uh, as a result of living through lots of things I was told the experts categorically said should have killed me. So as an army officer, I left uh, to work for a charity to stop people being injured uh, by clearing landmines in Asia and Africa. I've survived as a prisoner of the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia. Uh, and I ironically was blown up more than 20 years ago doing the least dangerous thing I ever did walking in a safe area where all the landmines had been removed when I was running a big program in Mozambique. I was incredibly fortunate to survive. I managed to treat myself and get out, but I lost my lower right arm and leg. And 
uh, I did my first marathon less than a year after leaving hospital. Subsequently, I became the world's first amputee ultra-distance runner. I did the Marathon de Sable uh, in 1997. So I've got loads of experience that I can share and deliver around how we can improve what we do and also how we can increase our resilience. Uh, but also, uh, I've studied human behaviour, did my master's in human behaviour. I've worked a lot with psychologists and psychiatrists. I've done um, counselling and, and that's, of course, resulted in, in helping people by coaching. So what do I bring to the party? I've been a keynote speaker for more than 20 years on the process of achievement, uh, on increasing resilience, dealing with change. It's all about human behaviour. And also, I've been facilitating workshops and running off sites to actually help organisations to... Um, improve individual and team performance for many years and providing coaching support to help people do that. So it's bringing all of that together in, you know, in one um, offering to actually um, help people within the organization deal with any issues they might have that will um, stop them being in peak performance, but also looking, working with Alan and the partners to look at how we create a structure that will enable people to be the best that they can be and how they can work together most effectively and giving ongoing support to do that. And in your experience, Chris, are there, would you say, are there some kind of common misperceptions about what a good mental health strategy looks like and, and what it takes to achieve that? I think it's a massive field and I think there are many misconceptions and, you know, sometimes by just appointing somebody as well, a uh, mental health person or, or to deal with that issue um, may also not be enough. I, I think it's about how we behave and, you know, there's lots of research that says mental health is, is something that affects 20% of people. Well, I really don't think that's true. Mental health, as we've learned in the last 18 months, is something that affects all of us. And we can't be really effective unless we are the make, making the effort every day to look after our mental health. And there are lots of ways we can do that. But I think creating an environment where people can ask for help and we have an open and honest dialogue is really the most important starting point. Mm. And I think our listeners would be really interested in hearing about kind of the ways, more specifically, the ways in which you work with N4 partners. So kind of what does your role as an in-house wellness coach entail? What sort of stuff are you looking at and what kind of stuff are you working at? Okay, for me, the starting point is to listen to the partners and to hear what their concerns are, uh, to understand any, any um, issues they might want to discuss on both a personal and professional level, to then... Um, We've done quite a few sessions together uh, where we actually talk about, you know, how they see things going forward. Uh, and we've done quite a lot of online sessions, particularly in lockdown, around resilience, around uh, giving some learning around how we might um, look after ourselves and be more effective. Uh, talking around all these great things like doing a little bit of physical exercise and for each person that's going to look different. Um, looking at sleep how we make sure we get effective and restful sleep, uh, being careful about what we put into our heads, uh, looking at routines. Um, ownership is really important to mental health, creating an environment where people can actually feel that they can take ownership. Um, and also uh, making our collaborations um, more effective and, and bringing people together. Uh, and most importantly, they're creating trust, creating experiences where we can create trust. Definitely. 
And um, Alana, a question for you really, but how would you say that COVID really impacted your ability to kind of provide this kind of support to your employees, obviously with, with everyone sort of working remotely? Um, were you able to kind of continue carrying out those sorts of provisions? Yeah, I think we were, I suppose, fortunate of being a, a new business set up just before COVID. We'd set, certainly set ourselves up for remote working and, and, and working from home. And at the same time, we were actually just signing the lease of a, a, a new office, so we moved, which we moved into during COVID. But really, as, as Chris said, with the, with, the, 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 with the online through Teams and Zoom and one-to-one -one sessions between Chris, I, I myself and the other partners are, are getting all of the team on and Know, and, and really sort of trying, you know, using one of Chris's sayings, you know, you wanted to very much be a sort of a pandemic blossom as you, as we went through all of this. So, you know, we, you know, we continually had, you know, as a team, we were operating online and talking every day. So by having these touch points with Chris was just to help to to bring us back down to realise, you know what, okay, the, you, know, you know, the perception is the world is in a bad place, but actually, tell you what, let's take a step back from that. Where are we? whether the businesses, what we're trying to do, okay, we're at home, how can we work better together and, 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 and move forward together? So I think very much that the, the, the team felt supported by what we were trying to do and, you know, and, and, and probably, you know, using what Chris said earlier in terms of like increasing their resilience and I suppose, and ultimately their confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a question to you both really, but considering how private equity is a hugely people orientated business in what ways can the sector specifically benefit from focusing more on human performance and re refining human performance over the years i've worked with um quite a number of private equity companies actually in varying roles from being a an after dinner th speaker through to running off sites and sometimes I think it's very easy to be driven by numbers and not understand that actually, ultimately, um, if you look at the research around what makes a, a, a top performing um, business in its sector, you know, the one that is consi consistently in the top 10% of its sector, then that research indicates that 80% of the factors determining that success are human factors. So, to be a high performing organization, we've got to get the human factors right. Um, but also I, I entirely understand that, that businesses are numbers driven, but by getting it right, if we can get the 80% of the human factors right, the processes, the procedures will be much easier. And ultimately what it comes down to is people. And it comes down to understanding beliefs and recognizing sometimes we might need to have some cohesions around belief and a bit of movement and then it comes down to behaviors and this is all about engaging behaviors that are helpful and and that's all rooted in thinking yeah and i, I would say as well in terms of you know you know people at the heart of, of value creation and as, as as chris said there it's very much about from our point of view it was about the development of people the mentoring the the the, the, the coaching and making sure we've got the right pillars of success okay you can have the, the processes and systems you can have the organizational structure the customer or, 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 or the client, but it's making sure that you've got the right people, and most importantly, the right culture for them to operate in. And that's not just at the, 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 the PE house itself, that you want that basically running right through the value creation into the portfolio companies within the funds. And would you say as well that it's also kind of linked to this concept of um, diversity of thought, which can lead to greater innovation as well in business? I think diversity of thought is hugely important. I've worked quite a lot with um, 
um, some companies that do surveys into diversity of thought and behaviours and what people really think. And uh, it's really interesting that you can have a group of people who, you know, are very different in terms of their nationalities, in terms of their experience. But sometimes, surprisingly, when we, we get to look at how they think, they, because we are human beings, we're, um, we're tribal and we do what we can to fit in subconsciously. So I think diversity of thought is something that we need to, to look at. And, and you know, uh, you can have people that all look the same that, that do have a great deal of diversity of thought. And I think it's really important to recognize also that if we get the people factors right and create a, a really positive, trustful environment, that's when innovation, creativity, and good decision-making are much, much easier. And, and Alan, from, from your perspective, I guess, what kind of biz, what kind of benefits are you seeing in the company as a result of places that? Yeah, I think, well, first and foremost, I think, you know, and I touched on it earlier, I think, you know, all of the, if you take the, 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 the you know, the N4 team are feeling now, you know, supported. They feel that, you know, we're, we're all working together, we're, you know, you know, improving that resilience as, a, as individuals and as a team improving in confidence and, you know, using Chris's quote from the start, be, be the best that we can be. But, you know, your point in terms of, you know, sort of diversity of thought, but, you know, we're dealing with global businesses, you know, different cultures globally. So we want to ensure that we pass those learnings on to them, but also understand where they are, you know, that diversity of thought is, 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 is sitting as well. As well. But, um, but I think no matter what, you know, at the heart is making sure that we're resilient and improving the confidence of, of, of everyone. I would say that you know every firm's at a different point of its of its evolution of of the journey. I think that some people probably do give it lip service. Probably some people don't understand it. But I think it's it's the process of going through the journey. There's no one there, you know, no one has achieved what that you know utopia of what we're what we're trying to do here because it's continually evolving. You know, different situations are happening from the from the markets from, from you know from from the whole you know economics of it. You know, from COVID, post COVID, what the world what's world like. So I think as long as people are on the journey, I don't think enough is, is being done. I think that people, it's the same as, you know, ESG, et cetera. You know, all of that is about the process of, of making sure that you're we're putting in the right processes and, 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 and make sure it starts to become embedded. And, you know, you know people are at the heart of, of, of every organisation and it's making sure that we recognise that. I think organisations are all different and um, it, some people may not see it as... as a great priority some people who are in you know very effective and in great mental health may not understand necessarily that others may need support it's all different and and there's also an element here of personality types that some people function very well looking at figures and are very comfortable with that and some personalities uh, need much more human contact and uh, um perhaps much more extrovert so it's all kind of horses for courses isn't it but i think the value comes through understanding people and listening and communicating and creating cohesion around the behaviours that will create success, which is quite often uh, much easier to say than do. Yeah, certainly. And Chris, I know this is a bit of a kind of broad question, and I know you said that everyone's different and individuals are all different when it comes to mental well-being, but for P firms that are, or even companies that may want to start on a mental well-being journey, what kind of steps can you advise that they take or, or where do they really start? Uh, I would start, my personal starting point would be to listen and understand, potentially uh, have an anonymous survey. And um, I've got some quite good um, 
technical ways of doing that so we can actually really understand where people's motivations are and where their concerns are uh, and then uh, have a dialogue um, and if um, with key people it may sometimes help for them to understand if there's tension where that is coming from so I use a, a personality profiling um, tool to do that which is um, quite effective because we just understand then sometimes why people do things that that we find difficult or frustrating and it's it's kind of not anybody's wrong it just creates understanding about the way that we function uh, and uh, and the way we behave sometimes when we're under pressure and then when we understand uh, you know what the behaviors are that will create our um, success in our business and and also you know when we uh, look at why we exist and and our goals and and mission and all of those things um, bringing people together to communicate it clearly um, and usually that works best with a workshop and then um, potentially bring in and create people who can um, be champions and uh, you've got to get the engagement with senior leadership or none of it works. Yeah, I think it's, there's there's really four main areas that we're looking at this with, with Chris. First of all, is, as you say, is, is the N4 team it, itself, you know, and, and ensuring that we operate as well as a team. But then the individuals, you know, so again, you know, Chris does one-to-one -one with the individual teams. There's then taking that down into the portfolio itself and looking at the portfolio management uh, the management team and again helping them and their well-being and, and uh, journey throughout the, the organisation rolling that out to their employees and again for Chris you know and, and for some of the key exec giving the one, them one-to-one -one opportunities as well and you know but right, basically you know all the organisations we're, we're working with we want to take these learnings and, and, and pass it through because ultimately it is one of the as we see one of the pillars of success for, for driving forward you know portfolio growth and ultimately you know value for, for our investors. Great. And I think it's just a really interesting, innovative way that M4 is sort of looking at value creation. It's, it's something that I think, as I said at the beginning, I think is, is, is often kind of overlooked, but, but clearly it's something that can be a real um, business driver and value, value driver.